This is the Bible in one year, day 224. Enjoy life in the present. Some people see life today as the three witches in Shakespeare's Macbeth put it, double, double, toil and trouble. My own perspective on life changed when a friend wisely pointed out to me that, in a sense, this life is a series of problem-solving exercises. We will never be without problems in this life. If in the midst of all the challenges you cannot learn to thrive in the situation in which you find yourself, you will never find contentment. The writer of Ecclesiastes says, We should make the most of what God gives, both the bounty and the capacity to enjoy it, accepting what's given and delighting in the work. It's God's gift. God deals out joy in the present, the now. Learn to enjoy this wonderful gift of life in the present. If you do not, life will pass you by and you will never enjoy where you are right now. From Proverbs 19 and 20 The fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. A sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He will not even bring it back to his mouth. Flog a mocker, and the simple will learn prudence. Rebuke the discerning, and they will gain knowledge. Whoever robs their father and drives out their mother is a child who brings shame and disgrace. Stop listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. A corrupt witness mocks at justice, and the mouth of the wicked gulps down evil. Penalties are prepared for mockers and beatings for the backs of fools. Proverbs chapter 20 Wine is a mocker, and beer a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. A king's wrath strikes terror like the roar of a lion. Those who anger him forfeit their lives. It is to one's honour to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel. Sluggards do not plough in season, so at harvest time they look but find nothing. Trust respect, and honour God. The answer to unnecessary trouble, according to the writer of Proverbs, is the fear of the Lord. That is, living in a relationship with God, trusting in Him, respecting and honouring Him. He writes, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. He goes on to speak of some of the causes of unnecessary trouble. First, laziness. Laziness is highlighted in this passage as a cause of future trouble. A farmer too lazy to plant in the spring has nothing to harvest in the fall. Second, cynicism. Mocking is a form of cynicism. It's very common in our culture today. It can even infect the church, but it's not a good thing. It leads to trouble. Third, malice. Dishonesty is another cause of trouble. Robbery leads to shame and disgrace. An unprincipled witness desecrates justice. The mouths of the wicked spew malice. Fourth, substance abuse. Wine makes you mean, beer makes you troublesome. A staggering drunk is not much fun. So much trouble is caused by people getting drunk. Many of the crimes that occur in society committed under the influence of alcohol or drugs. Fifth, quarrelling. It's a mark of good character to avert quarrels, but fools love to pick fights. Lord, thank you that it is a relationship with you that leads to life and contentment. Help me to avoid the causes of unnecessary trouble. New Testament from 1 Corinthians 7 
Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. Was a man already circumcised when he was called? He should not become uncircumcised. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. Each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although if you can gain your freedom, do so. For the one who was a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's freed person. Similarly, the one who was free when called is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. Brothers and sisters, each person, as responsible to God, should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Now, about virgins. I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned, and if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not, those who mourn as if they did not, those who are happy as if they were not, those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep, those who use the things of the world as though not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs. How can he please the Lord? But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Be totally devoted to the Lord. One of the key issues these days is the anxiety and listlessness which comes from constant comparison and FOMO, fear of missing out. The answer to FOMO is found in the words with which Paul starts the passage for today. Don't be wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Paul gives the principle from which all his application flows. A new Christian should stay as they were when they were converted. He gives three examples, marriage, circumcision and slavery. Historically, the first Christians were a small minority and in no position to abolish slavery. However, this has a wider application. Unless their occupation is illegal or immoral, those who become Christians should not simply leave their job without receiving a clear call into some new occupation. God calls you into things, not simply out of them. Paul wants to spare people the many troubles in this life. 
don't complicate your lives unnecessarily. His overriding concern, as he looks at the questions of marriage and singleness, is undivided devotion to the Lord, the supreme aim of your life. Paul writes of the advantages of singleness. Of course, Jesus himself was single, and he spoke about the fact that for some, singleness is involuntary, whereas for others it is a choice for the sake of the kingdom. Involuntary singleness is a difficult and painful subject, but it's not what Jesus was speaking about in Matthew 19, nor is it what Paul is speaking about here. Paul is speaking about singleness for the sake of the kingdom. This can be either permanent or temporary. The disadvantages of singleness are obvious. Perhaps the three hardest things for single Christians can be first, missing the companionship of marriage and the loneliness that can result, second, the lack of sexual fulfillment, third, not having children. However, the Apostle Paul here also gives two reasons why it can be an advantage. First, the brevity of life. He writes that there's no time to waste. Therefore, don't complicate your lives unnecessarily. Keep it simple. In marriage, grief, joy, whatever, even in ordinary things, your daily routines of shopping and so on, deal as sparingly as possible with the things the world thrusts on you. He's not forbidding marriage any more than he's forbidding laughter, mourning or shopping. Rather, he's saying that everything pales into insignificance besides the glory of serving the Lord. We need a detachment from the things of this world. This may be easier if a person is single. Second, freedom from distraction. This applies especially in times of persecution, which provides the context for this passage because of the present crisis. Paul writes, I want you to live as free of complications as possible. When you are unmarried, you're free to concentrate on simply pleasing the master. The time and energy that married people spend on caring for and nurturing each other, the unmarried man can spend on becoming whole and holy instruments of God. All I want for you is to be able to develop a way of life in which you can spend plenty of time together with the master without a lot of distractions. We have a limited amount of time, energy and money. There's no doubt that there are many demands in marriage. Paul calls for a positive view of singleness, whether permanent or temporary. He's saying it can be fulfilling and liberating, as it was for Jesus. Elsewhere, he writes that marriage itself is only a picture of the relationship between Christ and the church. The reality is found in Christ. Both marriage and singleness are gifts. What really matters is undivided devotion to the Lord. We often assume that marriage is the best and most obvious way of life to follow. This passage reminds us not to overlook the benefits of singleness. Singleness is equally valid and can be very fruitful and fulfilling. Lord, help me to find life and contentment in whatever situation I find myself, leading a life to please the Lord. May I live in a right way, in undivided devotion to the Lord. Old Testament from Ecclesiastes 4-6 to Again I looked and saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed, and they have no comforter. Power was on the side of their oppressors, and they have no comforter. And I declared that the dead, who had already died, are happier than the living who are still alive. But better than both is the one who has never been born, who has not seen the evil that is done under the sun. And I saw that all toil and achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. 
fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Again I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling? he asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Better a poor but wise youth than an old but foolish king who no longer knows how to heed a warning. The youth may have come from prison to the kingship, or he may have been born in poverty within his kingdom. I saw that all who lived and walked under the sun followed the youth, the king's successor. There was no end to all the people who were before them, but those who came later were not pleased with the successor. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven, and you are on earth, so let your words be few. A dream comes when there are many cares, and many words mark the speech of a fool. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin, and do not protest to the temple messenger, My vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, fear God. If you see the poor oppressed in a district and justice and rights denied, do not be surprised at such things, for one official is eyed by a higher one, and over them both are others higher still. The increase from the land is taken by all. The king himself profits from the fields. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. I have seen a grievous evil under the sun. Wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that when they have children there is nothing left for them to inherit. 
Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and as everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands. This too is a grievous evil. As everyone comes, so they depart. And what do they gain since they toil for the wind? All their days they eat in darkness with great frustration, affliction, and anger. This is what I have observed to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them, for this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. Ecclesiastes chapter 6 I have seen another evil under the sun, and it weighs heavily on mankind. God gives some people wealth, possessions, and honor, so that they lack nothing their hearts desire. But God does not grant them the ability to enjoy them, and strangers enjoy them instead. This is meaningless, a grievous evil. A man may have a hundred children and live many years, yet no matter how long he lives, if he cannot enjoy his prosperity and does not receive proper burial... I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. It comes without meaning, it departs in darkness, and in darkness its name is shrouded. Though it never saw the sun or knew anything, it has more rest than does that man, even if he lives a thousand years twice over, but fails to enjoy his prosperity. Do not all go to the same place. Everyone's toil is for their mouth and yet their appetite is never satisfied. What advantage have the wise over fools? What do the poor gain by knowing how to conduct themselves before others? Better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Whatever exists has already been named, and what humanity is has been known. No one can contend with someone who is stronger, the more the words, the less the meaning. And how does that profit anyone? For who knows what is good for a person in life during the few and meaningless days they pass through like a shadow? Who can tell them what will happen under the sun after they are gone? Enjoy the blessings of work and relationships. The writer continues his theme of the emptiness of life and its meaninglessness. He sees life as full of trouble, oppression and toil. He speaks of the emptiness experienced by those in high positions. He also speaks of the emptiness of an acquisitive life and the elusive quality of desire. In the midst of this rather pessimistic and depressing view of life, he gives keys to thriving amid toil and trouble. First, work. A lack of work is a bad thing. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. On the other hand, don't work too hard. Working obsessively late into the night, compulsively greedy for more and more, never bothering to ask, why am I working like a dog, never having any fun. The optimum is moderate work. Better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. It goes on to say, the sleep of labourers is sweet, 
whether they eat little or much. Second, relationships. He goes on to speak of the vital importance of relationships, marriage, friendship, and teams. First, there is synergy. It's better to have a partner than go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth. Working as a team can be more efficient. Second, there is the advantage of mutual support. If they fall down, one can help the other up, but pity those who fall and have no friend to help them up. Third, there is the advantage of physical and spiritual support. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. The key to a strong friendship or a strong marriage is the third cord. What the other passages for today speak of as undivided devotion to the Lord and the fear of the Lord. Lord, help me to avoid unnecessary toil and trouble and in undivided devotion to the Lord, not just to survive, but to thrive and enjoy life in all its fullness. Pippa adds, Ecclesiastes 4, verse 4, And I saw that all labor and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This seems rather a cynical way of looking at things. Envy can be so destructive, but sometimes a little healthy competition is quite motivating. 